Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Today's episode of Pip Panther Rants and Other Sports Rants Podcast is brought to you by the Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and non-sports. They're here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink. Uh, basically, it's sportsdrink, but without the vowels. S-P-R-T-S-D-R-I-N-K. All we ask is to close the door behind you. We're trying to not let the funk out. Welcome into our Pit Panther Rants and other Sports Rants podcast. Watt Harris, your host, brought to you by the Sports Drink. It's mid-July. There's It's a pretty much a slow sports news cycle. I mean, Major League Baseball is... Um, excuse me, drink my coffee still. Major League Baseball is on a break because of all you know, the All-Star games. That's I mean, that's fun, right? But I saw they're, they're adapting a new um, thing here where if it's tied for nine innings, it's a home run derby. I think that's a great idea. And I think they really should adapt this into some of their regular season games. I mean, I know purists will say, well, extra innings is where it's at. And I totally understand it. I mean, there's nothing more thrilling than a late, you know, a game that goes more than nine innings and it ends, say, on a walk-off homer or whatever, base hit, double, whatever. There's nothing more thrilling than that. I mean, it keeps you on the edge of your seats. But you know, maybe if it gets if the game gets a little too long, you can you can um, you know maybe maybe have it go to same hmm, fifteen innings. Maybe we can you can set the you can set the limit there to fifteen or thirteen innings, and then you can say, okay, let's do this. Let's 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 hit home runs. I I would do that. I think it's a great idea. And, you know, college football expansion has uh, hit a, um, looks like it's hit a brick wall. Uh, looks like the talks between the Big 12 and the Pac-12 have died. I guess there's going to be no merger. And I guess the schools, the talks between the schools and the Big 12 have died down. I mean, with college football expansion, we're not going to know anything until it actually happens. Until then, we can keep throwing scenarios around. But, you know, I said, hey, you know, Pac-12 is looking for a um, a partnership with the ACC. You could do that whole thing together. And you can have, you know, two, two you can have a big, one big conference and have two divisions. You can have the ACC be the Atlantic and uh, the Pac-12 be the Coastal. I mean, it was pretty, that sounds pretty, you know. I mean, coast to coast, I mean, you got the Pacific on one side and you got the Atlantic on the other. I mean, it's, I mean, 
if you think about it, I mean, they can do three of them. I mean, they can do an ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12. Because you got the Atlantic Ocean, you got the Gulf of Mexico, and you got the Pacific Ocean. I mean, you can't go wrong there. I mean, it could be the Oce- the Oceanic Conference or some crap like that. The Oceanic, the Oceanic Partnership. I mean, yeah, it'd be, I would say pretty genius, but of course we're not, you know, with expansion, everybody's going to keep throwing scenarios around. In fact, let me see what the, um, there's this one West Virginia insider that always has a bunch of weird, weird shit. MH403, does he have, um, let's see here. No, wait a second. Oh, here it is. Let's see what he says. Yeah, I mean, West Virginia, West Virginia um, Twitter accounts are probably not the place you go for college football expansion talks. Let's see. Called my source on a mini vacation right now. Talks are, dead, de- are indeed dead for a merger. A few tidbits I did get. Big 12 had all the cards. Okay, me and money just wasn't there. Well, well gee, you think? My source fully expects at least two schools to get off from Big 12 by the end of the first week of August. Arizona and Colorado are the ones most likely. Big 12 can buy four to six, depending on what happens. Uh, let's see. If Washington, Oregon, Balkan, we may take the other two anyway, take the slight hit in revenue. Washington, Oregon, stuck until ACC Big 12 get around to offering them. Yeah, I you know, whatever. I mean, some people are just so full of shit. I mean, I don't, um, I don't really buy it. Yeah, it just, you know, Twitter accounts. I mean, yeah, West Virginia Twitter accounts aren't really the, the place you go for college football expansion talks. Um, I mean, what I've, what I've, what I've known is that um, most, um, every person that covers a certain conference is always going to have a homeristic take. Like if somebody is a Big 12 fanboy or they cover the Big 12, everything they cover is going to be, is going to favor the Big 12. ACC, same thing. Pac, Pac-10 or Pac-12, whatever, same thing. I think at the end of the day, the Pac-10 or 12 or whoever they call themselves now, I think a lot of them probably don't feel that it's right to jump conferences until they figure everything out. They get, they get all the details out. And if anything, you try to... You try to... Um, Carry on as that conference. That's one thing you can do. Is try to keep that conference together as much as you can. And try to exist as that conference. Because you don't want... I mean, that conference has been around for so long. So much history and what and whatnot. You don't want to kill that conference. Now, there's talk to Arizona. Arizona State wanted to join the Big 12. Which could be attractive. I mean... 
the issue with the Big 12 is the TV markets. They don't have enough. The ACC has the most TV markets. And they have the more TV sets. And that's what, you know, that and the grant of rights is what's keeping the ACC alive at this, po- at this point. And, of course, their, lo- their partnership with Notre Dame. And I saw that I saw a little thing where supposedly the East and Notre Dame was going to form a partnership with the Big Twelve or something like that. And from what I read, it looks like they're 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 trying to leverage that whatever the NBC, whatever NBC wants to do with the Big Twelve, they want to use that money to pay Notre Dame. I don't you know I don't know. It's it's weird. It's all too weird. And it's just it's you know I'm talking in circles, but I mean at the end of the day, the ACC. I think they're for for now they're fine, and it's going to take a whole you know it'll take a whole lot for um for what's happening. But I think with the grant of rights and that TV contract, and they may have to really do something with it. But I think they got to see what what's you know how the ACC network is you know does, and it took them forever to roll that out and. You know, see what happens. But I think really, expansion is dead right now. I don't think the big I don't think the Big Ten is going to get is going to lure Washington, to Oregon yet because it just probably doesn't make sense at this point. I think they wanted to get Notre Dame, but Notre Dame is going to try to do what they can to stay independent no matter what. Now, as we stay on the Pacific Coast, there was a little there was a little thread that came out. That there may have been some, there may be some trouble in paradise and at USC. I guess Jordan Aston supposedly is not happy because you know there was, um, I guess, some promises that weren't delivered to him yet since he's been there. And let's be honest with ourselves. If I'm a Bolitnikov wide receiver, who just you know, if I'm a receiver who just if I'm a wide receiver who just won a Blitnikoff and probably have one more year left on my, you know, in this whole thing with college football. And if a suitor decides to recruit me into the transfer portal and lures me with some money, and if the money is around three and a half million, 3.5 million, before I even do anything, you know, go in the portal and sign. I'm probably going to ask for that money up front. I'm going to say, okay, wire that money into my account and as soon as it's in there, uh, you're, you're mine. You know, I'm, I'm yours. I'll definitely sign with you guys. Or, I mean, you at least ask for most of it up front if they're not going to pay all of it. You know, give me the keys to the house, the car, whatever. Although I did read that supposedly uh, he did cash some some checks from Pitt's nil. But uh, I mean, Pitt. I mean, he. In other words, Pitt was taking care of him. It just, I guess, it just wasn't enough. Beats me. But the source of this was a Texas person. I guess he runs a site. I guess I don't know if it's I don't know what it is. Shaggy Bevo, Texas Ags. Well, no, that's Texas A&M, but it's one of those one of those many sites. And 
And I'm sure he got his info, if, if it is true, I'm sure he got his info from a certain position coach at Texas who probably coached Jordan at one time and tried to get him to come to, you know, to Texas. It's probably where he got his info from. But at the same time, if I'm USC or from any college program, uh, do you really feel comfortable giving a 20-year-old... How old is Jordan Addison? Let me look at it. Let me look it up here. Jordan Addison. How old is he? He's 20 years old. Do you really want to give a 20-year-old who has one year left of college eligible... You know, well, actually... He's going to be in his third year, but still, this is probably going to be his last year. Do you want to give a 20-year-old who's probably going to be a going to be a draft pick anyway? I mean, he's probably let's see um, draft projection on Jordan Addison right now. Let's see. He's currently going 13th overall in mock drafts, so right, he's already already going to be a first-round pick. Do you really want to give that money to him? Because there's a good chance he may not try as hard. I mean, if I have, if I'm a, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's right now, according to this one draft, he's slated to be a first round pick in the top 15. I mean, do you really want to give that money to him? Yeah, he's a first-round top 10 in this one, position rank three. I mean, do you really want to give $3.5 million to somebody like that? Because, I mean, on top of that, you're breaking a new offense. You have a quarterback who really is still kind of rough. And on top of that, they got game film on him already. So there's no saying what what he's going to be. And Jordan may possibly opt out. I mean, he could do do those things. I mean, to protect his, uh, basically protect his body. So is it really worth all this? Was it really worth this for USC to, to, to get him? I mean, we'll, we'll see when the season begins, but... But yeah, I mean, if, in terms of business, I'm, I mean, if I'm, you know... If I'm USC, I'm definitely not giving him all, I'm not giving him all the money up front. Because I want to, I mean... They're not recruiting Jordan Asson for his intellect or what he did as you know when he majored in or if he got A's or B's. They're they got him to catch passes and score touchdowns. Let's be honest. And of course, you know, in the business sense, you don't want to give all that money to him up front because you, you want to see the results. You, you don't want to just hand somebody three point five million and you know because <laughs> they may not try. They may say, Well, I got the money. Because that's what happened with you know a lot of the NFL you know rookies before the rookie salary cap. I mean they were getting big money and then they would love them would would stop playing after that. I mean if you're getting all that money guaranteed up front, shoot, as a young kid out of college, shoot, I would stop trying too because you as long as you invest it or whatever and dump it into some sort of funds and not spend it all, you're you're fine. But we'll keep an eye on that. As that progresses, and we got, I think, maybe 30 days till college football starts, which is kind of cool. I know the media days have already started as well. And, of course, Matt will be out next week or next month. Anyways, 
All right, let's get to one more topic. Uh, Le'Veon Bell isn't really pursuing any... Um, he's not pursuing any football stuff anymore. Any, any, any you know, teams. And I guess his Instagram post, he regretted that what happened back in 2018. In fact, let's look that up. Now let's take a look at Le'Veon Bell. Let's see. He played, let's see, it's 2013. He played 13 games. He had, eight, he had 860 yards rushing, 8 TDs, 45 catches, 399 yards. Then the next year, he ran for, he played a full season, ran for over 1,300 yards, 8 touchdowns, and he had 83 catches, 3 TDs. But he had, but he had almost he almost had 1,000 yards receiving as well. I mean, he was a workhorse. Next year, he was uh, out Six games, and let's see, he didn't, play, you know, just didn't play much. 2016, he <clears throat> had a monster year, but then I believe he got hurt. And then 2017, he had a full season, another 85 catches. I mean, he had another big year, almost 2,000 yards in, uh, from scrimmage. Let's take a look at what happened season by season. Yeah, 2013, he was injured. The next year, he played a full season. 2015, he um, he was suspended for the first four games for um, marijuana. Then, of course, he got in, he got injured later in the year. But he he did uh, he, you know he got injured. And of course, 2016, he got suspended again. 2017. 2017, he played a full season, and of course, that's in 2018 he uh, missed, he sat out, and then after that, he he went with the Jets, played one season. I think he got like 30 million guaranteed money from that because it was just a waste, and of course, then he bounced around the league. <clears throat> now, if we go back to all this, I mean, yeah, he regrets what happened. I mean, he had a decent career up until what happened. And I think he would have had a Hall of Fame career if he would have kept playing. But um, he was a workhorse. I mean, he he was catching you know a, a plus passes on top of his you know r- running the ball. I mean, I can I can understand him wanting to get paid what he deserved, wanting the guaranteed money. On the Steelers side of it. You have a guy who's either hurt, he's missing games because he's hurt, or he's missing games because, well, he can't piss clean. So what do you do? I mean, do you really want to give that money to a guy who's going to be unreliable, that it's not going to show up for work because you know he's either hurt or he's you know he's not pissing clean? So both, I mean, both sides, I understand their their arguments. You know, Le'Veon's getting almost two, almost three hundred carries a season. Uh, they're pounding him, you know. Obviously, and of course, he's you know he's not catching passes. And of course, he you know he's putting his body you know he's putting his body at risk, and you know of course he's getting hurt as well. So you know there's there's been instances where get where players do get franchise and then they get hurt and they get hurt, and they're not the same. And of course, they don't get paid. I mean, we saw the one with Tony O'Brien. I mean, he had a really when he played at Tampa Bay, he had a really big season, and he wanted a contract. He wanted to go shopping and went to the um, 
Tampa Bay do. They franchised them, and and of course he got hurt, and was, and was never the same player after that. But you, with the fall of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, that pretty much was the big. That was that pretty much killed Ben Roethlisberger's career. You know, I mean, and of course Ben got hurt. I remember as well. So that was pretty much the beginning of the beginning of the end of Ben Roethlisberger because he lost two of his big playmakers, and those are basically what happened. Let's see. Let's look at Ben's stats. Yeah, Ben got hurt in 2019. So yeah, it was basically the beginning of the end of him. You know, it finished. Um, yep, beginning of the end. He had a winning record, though, but that was basically the beginning, beginning of the end of his career. He was, you know... Now, and plus, not only that, he wasn't the same player. I mean, the guy was in his late 30s, for God's sakes. But that was pretty much... When you lose two of your biggest playmakers, one of the best receivers in the NFL and one of the best running backs, that's what happens. But going back to Le'Veon Bell... There were some people that said what Bell was doing was genius. That he was being a pioneer and whatnot. And it's it sounded I mean it was a good it was a good plan in, in, in that respect. But when he went back on the market, he got signed by the Jets. And of course his career I mean, he was never the same guy. I mean he did people say, Well, he got his money, he got his thirty million for doing next to nothing, which is true, but it single-handedly killed his career as well. I mean, he, he, you know, he's been he bounced around a bunch of teams. and He was never the same player. You know, he was never the same guy after that. So, and nobody really followed his. And, and people thought that NFL players were going to follow what he did. A lot of them can't because they value their paychecks, and the the, the players' union just doesn't. They don't have as much power. I mean, they're kind of powerless against the NFL, and whereas the NBA, the players union has more power, where their players can basically throw a temper tantrum and then, then they get traded, or I don't, you know, I mean, you know, I don't want to be here, and they get traded. I mean, that's what happened with James Harden. I mean, he, you know, he lost his uh, some of his, you know, his management change. He. He was a scruntled and, you know, got upset. And, of course, they he wasn't showing up to practices and games, and they traded him. I mean, that's, you know, you know, NBA, basically, those players can do that. And now you got some instances where now where some players, you know, if they don't want to sign with that team or, they, you know, they're not going to do an extension, they get, they get traded. I mean, look, I mean, I was shocked when the Spurs traded Deontay Murray, DeJounte Murray, I mean, because he was really good. And it turns out he wasn't even going to sign with them the next, you know, he didn't want to play there. I mean, with the NBA, there's a lot more freedom. And with the NFL, there just isn't. And in this case, I mean, it's just it's how it is. Nobody really followed Le'Veon Bell's thing because people follow their paychecks. It's kind of the same reason why people didn't follow Colin Kaepernick's movement. I mean, there, there was a handful of guys in the old, but... I mean, Kaepernick, when he didn't get signed anymore. He was still getting deals with uh, Disney and Nike and all that. I mean, he's getting, I mean, he had a, I guess he had a movie, I guess, 
his own Netflix series, all this stuff. I mean, he's still getting paid. Those other guys, if they kneel or what or whatnot, when if they, I mean, they're not going to get all those endorsements. I mean, that's I mean, a lot of these movements, especially regardless of what you know your your political stance or whatnot, a lot of them are just glorified pyramid schemes where the person at the top who starts it is going to get all the money and attention. But um, you know, I'm hopefully Le'Veon has saved his money and. I'm sure he has, and he's got the, he's got his rap career still. He's got that going for him. He's going to be boxing as well. But yeah, I mean, in some ways, his genius, his moves seemed a little genius because he was young. But it just you know, it's it's a I mean, what happens with him is basically just a cautionary tale of you know what happens when you do. All right, now let's get away from sports for a minute. I was watching Barry, um, what was it, The Last Dragon last night. Uh, I sat and watched this. I used to love this movie, and like it was always hard. It, you know, you, the only time you could find it was on HBO, and it was hard to find the um, the cassette. And I realized how many how many celebrities were actually in this movie as well. I mean, there was a bunch of them. But I sat and watched it, and basically, uh, Bruce Leroy is chasing some imaginary master, and and of course he's um, of course it's it was produced by Barry Gordy, of course, and. The Shogun of Harlem, Shonuff, is, I guess, is, you know, is, um, he's, um, challenging him. I mean, there was, I mean, William H. Macy, the guy who plays a little Bill in, um, Boogie Nights was also in this, and I didn't realize that. I mean, there was, you know, of course, you know, Rudy from, uh, Cosby Show was in it. I mean, there was interesting ones, but what really got me in this was, if we're going real life on this, now Vanity, I guess, after having her life saved by, you know, by Leroy, I guess in this movie she goes as Laura Charles. She's trying to, um, she's trying to, I guess, get in, I guess, in uh, Mr. Leroy's pants. And I think in real life, if this would have happened, I'm, I'm sure, um, you know, Leroy probably would have hooked up with uh, Vanity. And I think he would have forgot about the whole karate stuff. He would have said, you know what? I got a hot girlfriend. I'm having lots of fun. She wants me to be, she wants me to be her bodyguard. Karate's dumb. This whole master stuff is dumb. I mean, Le- I mean, show enough, if you want to be the master or whatever, go ahead, you have at it. I'm just going to go hang out. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to get laid instead. I think that's what really would have happened. But, you know, Leroy was so hung up in his world of Bruce Lee. I mean, it was, you know, it was pretty interesting. But okay, let's get to some other fun things. So for ten bucks on eBay, I bought a box of nineteen ninety two um, classic NHL draft picks. 
I used to love Classic. It was a it was a great card to collect. And let's see, I, I got these. Let's see, look for these limited print cards. Let's see, Roman Hammerlick, Alexei Yashin, Mike Bracci, Darius Kasparaitis, Corey Stillman, Dimitri Kovartnilov, David Wilkie, Curtis Bowen, Valerie Beret, and Joby Messier. Now, Valerie Beret was the brother of Pavel, and there was high hopes for him and didn't work out. Roman Hamlet was was one hell of a defenseman. I believe he played for Tampa Bay. Alexei Yashin. Now, he was drafted with uh, Alexander Daigle from Ottawa. And Alex, Alexander Daigle got all the hype. And it turned out that Yashin ended up being the better player. And you can't forget about Darius Kasparinas as well. I mean, there were some, there's some really good, there's some good, there's some Penguins players in this set. Uh, Marty Straka was in this set. Um, what else? Who else was in this set? Bill Guerin, who who later played for the Penguins. Uh, Sergey Gonchar was in this as well. So I got four packs to open, and of course there's a Marilyn you insert as well. And, of course, there's Manu and Riom, which, you know, you got to give credit for Tampa Bay for being the progressive NHL franchise at the time for uh, hiring a female goaltender. Now, I had a, um, of course, you know, being going into eighth grade and ninth, being eighth grade, going into ninth grade, in the world, I guess, you know, when your body changes and whatnot, I did have a big crush on Manu and Riom. She was very beautiful at that time, and yeah, I collected her cards mainly just because I was attracted to her. So, I got four packs to open. Let's see. First card is Martin Jernick. Next one is Dave Carpa. Uh, next is Cindy Moger. Uh, I believe he played for the Kings at one time. Uh, Mikkel Kravitz. Here's a Bill Guerin in his USA Hockey jersey. Ooh, and this card's getting lots of... Yep, they're sticking together. Goalie David Littman, never heard of him. Pierce Sivagala. Keith Carney. Martin Gendron. And Sylvain Clotier. Now let's go to the next pack. Larry Olam, Trent Klatt in his Minnesota hockey jersey. These cards are all sticking together because they have probably been... Doug, Doug Zmulek, I think he was a defenseman. He, he had a decent career, I believe. Alexei Yashin, Jerry Lettinen. Some of these names, are they sound so familiar. Jarko Varvio, Martin Reichel, Ralph Echenuvo, Valerie Beret, and Brett, Brett Hedekin. Yeah, I had high hopes for uh, Valerie Beret, but basically almost any, any player that was like, that had a, um, <clears throat> a Russian jersey or Czechoslovakian jersey or any type of foreign name, that was one card you... That was one card you you had to keep because you thought it was going to be a pretty valuable card at one time because those were all the players, especially the Russian players, because there was the, the, there was an influx of like you know the Russian players coming in, and you know because of course you know Sergei Fedorov was one of them, 
let's see. And of course, with the with the checks, you know, with the checks as well. With, you know, with Yager. Okay, Grant Marshall, Keith Jones, Lonnie Loach. And some of these guys were like role players, reserves at one point. Dimitri Kvartnilov, Doug McDonald, and his Wisconsin jersey. Yeah, especially I mean the hot I mean the college hockey jerseys. I mean they you at this at one time you discard those guys because they weren't really gonna be worth anything anyway. And last pack, I mean this No, I got no this was ten bucks a box, so it worked out for me. If anything, I'm getting a box of hot shit, but I did get some I get I did get a few Lemieux cards and you always keep those no matter what. I got Gonchar, but I mean the thing about classic is, if you want to, if you wanted cards of players, whether it was basketball, baseball, or whatnot, if you wanted cards of players that were in their minor league or college uniforms, this was the place to go. Boris Mironov, I think he, had, yeah, yeah, it's a Russian jersey. You gotta keep him. Ooh, Sergey Gonchar. Yep, you definitely kept him. Sergey, whatever, Kirikorov. Another Russian player, Darius Kasparidis in his hockey in his Russian jersey. You know, I didn't like a lot of Vitaly Tomalin. What if he's related to um, Nikolai Borsheski? He played for the Maple Leafs and another, and another Sergey Gonchar. So that was my four cards. So there you go, a little history lesson of classic hockey. I didn't pull him in a room, but actually, or in the. I've already opened the box. I've already pulled two. I've already pulled two of her. I put a limited print card of some no-name player, which you know that happens. But I do need to get other stuff as well. I'm gonna. Try, I want to at least get some basketball. Anyways, I'm done here, guys. Let me see. Is there any more? Anything else going on? Let's see, is there anybody else that's angry about something? No, that's it. All right, guys. Well, you all held a pit. I'll talk to you later.